Hey everyone, welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. This is Trent and I'm here with Alan. And Alan, I don't know if you're one of those kids in elementary school that, you know, the girls and boys pass notes back and forth to each other. Do you like me? Check yes or no. Um, I, I wasn't smart enough to know that, you know, so... <laughs> But uh, it, it's coming time. It's a season of the year when a lot of churches do revivals. And so we're, today we're going to talk about, do you like revivals? Check yes or no. <laughs> yeah, Trent, this, uh, this idea came about, we had a roundtable discussion of our pastors. So I want to give a shout out to all, all the pastors from Dogwood Trails Association here. And thank you guys. It was such a great conversation we had last week. Um, talking about this particular subject, and I couldn't wait to put down some of my thoughts um, after that and um, bring them together. So I hope I do all you guys justice um, with this conversation, Trent. But I think there's some really good things here because some pastors are very pro-revival gatherings, and some pastors are very not pro-revival <laughs> gatherings. Yeah, and so, so, you know, what's your feelings? What are your, what's your take on that? So, yeah. Right. And I'm glad you said not pro instead of anti, because I don't know that anybody's anti, uh, you know, against having those, but maybe just like, I don't want to do that. It's fine if you do it, but I don't want to do it. And so today, I think it's great that you did this note for us, Alan. And, and I think, you know, we should start off by answering the question, what is it we're talking about? When we talk about revival, what is it? Um, you know, what does that mean? Because it means different things to different people. Yeah, you know, some people use revival as this really broad term to cover almost like any special speaker. Well, mm. we're having revival service, so or we're having revival services, and we've got this, uh, you know, Christian bluegrass group coming in. <laughs> and I, yeah. um, I really don't think that's a revival. Um, that's a special meeting or something like that. But, you know, a revival, think of revival, what revival is. Revival is when God moves among his people to restore a fire in their heart that has been kind of lost, that they've lost their first love. And it's a kind of a reigniting um, of their first love. When I was growing up, my church had a revival service every year and we had a crusade every year. And a crusade was the other side of the spectrum that it was focused on, you know, you go out and you get all the lost people that you can gather to come and be a part of this, of this gathering, because we want to explicitly share the gospel with them. So we, we had those growing up. And so I did learn the difference early on between a revival and a crusade. Um, but, you know, I think it's important to know what we're talking about. Yeah, so what I hear you saying, Alan, is that there's a difference between a revival and an evangelistic effort. That one, and, and I mean, if we just take the word revival, it, it means to, being revived. It means that something's dead and it's being brought back to life. Um, and so that's one you know, type of meeting. But then an evangelistic outreach is a totally different thing, right? Yeah, typically. I mean, revival can certainly lead to people coming to Christ. 
you know, people would remind you that, you know, a hundred years ago, they had two week revival gatherings where someone would come in and the first week, it was like God's people trying to get right. And the next week they were bringing in all the lost people that they could find. And, you know, it would go on, it would kind of continue in, in mass. And I think what's happened over time is that this idea of, of revivals become a big term and it became, um, especially if you've been in, in church life for a long time that people would just get excited about the idea of revival. So if you put revival on something and called it a revival, you could get a larger crowd because, Oh, this is special. This is good. We need to be a part of this. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if people could circle that on their calendar as church people today and go, Oh man, I can't wait to go to that. Um, we'll kind of come back to how we prepare a little bit later, but I think it's important to ask the question, do you know what you're looking for? I mean, what is it if you if you're a big fan of revivals, what is it that you're looking for? Really good question. There's another one, you know, and I think the other question you got to ask is how does revival really take place? Mm. And that's an important question. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, I think as we start off thinking about this, what is revival and then how does it take place? You know, we can plan a meeting, right? But God's the one who, through his Holy Spirit, brings revival to to us as, as individuals. Isn't that, is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you you can do all the work that you want to do, but if God's not part of what you're doing, it's kind of all in vain. So the question is, is, you know, is there room for God to do a work? And does he have to have a special service to do a work? I, you know, I think one of the things that you'd hear a lot of pastors say is that God doesn't need one. And I think we'll kind of maybe come back to that here in a little bit. But on the other side, is it appropriate too to have a hopeful expectation that we're planning something and we're preparing ourselves so that God can work in us? Neither opinion you it's fine. Wherever you fall on this topic, I'm, I'm not going to criticize you. But I do think we need to know how revival takes place. You can't manufacture it, which we see sometimes there's a tendency of people to want to manufacture it. And sometimes people who are in the field of doing revivals will manipulate that so that it looks like it's taking place. And I think that's where sometimes revivals get a bad rap. Yeah, I, and I would say that, you know, if you you can plan the event and all that, but but are you spending time in prayer seeking what God wants to do? Um, you can, you know, manipulate things and, and get people stirred up. But yeah, true revival has got to be a movement of God. And is are we seeking God? And, and so... I'm a big proponent of if you're going to have a revival or any type, any type of meeting, an evangelistic outreach event, then you've got to start with prayer. Find out where God's moving. Find out what God wants to do and let him direct instead of saying, okay, God, we planned this event. Come join us. You know, who's God in that situation? Yeah, and those are those are just two foundational questions. You know, what what is it that you're really looking to do? And how does it take place? And then that's there's we're coming into a third one here, Trent. And this is one you and I talk about when we're preaching, when we're doing all kinds of things. To me, this is one of the primary jobs we have as 
pastoral leaders in our church, as lay leaders in our church, is to know our people well enough to know what they need. Do you have you had conversations or or taken time to listen and watch and see what it is that your folks are dealing with? If there's a, a need for encouragement or quote revival, um, it doesn't necessarily happen the same time every year. You know, oh, it's fall. We we're going to have a revival. You know, um, so is are you listening, paying attention to where your church is spiritually? Um, you know, and so I think that you're right, Alan, it's got to be something we watch for. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you really do need to do something that is very specifically outreach minded. I mean, that's important. Sometimes you need to do something to inspire and equip and enable, um, your church people to go deeper in their faith. So knowing your people is, is really important, but maybe you don't need a revival. Um, maybe you need an intensive prayer study, or maybe you need um, a time of, of fasting. We talked some, too, about solemn assemblies and how impactful mm. those would be, and different things that we need can look at. If we know our people, we're going to provide the right resource uh, for our people. So I think that well, that's important. Well, let me ask this. I mean, too, because it, the makeup of your com of your congregation, you know, if, if there's a lot of young families uh, instead of a, a revival, maybe a, a parenting conference would be really helpful to them, uh, or a marriage conference would be really helpful to them in that stage of life. If your congregation is made up mostly of, of young families, or it, it doesn't have to be necessarily made up of a lot of those, but you, you try to hit the needs of the different parts of your congregation because all of us have congregations that are made up of lots of different age groups, places where they're in their in their lives right now. Yeah, that's a great word. So let's move on to one more trend because this one, this is my kind of my thing. Uh, make sure any speaker or preacher aligns with your philosophy of ministry. Man, that's important. <laughs> yeah. Well, so explain that. I, I read that and I'm like, okay, yeah, I agree. And I'm, I was always trying to be the gatekeeper, you know, because I didn't want to be the guy having to put out the fires afterwards, but explain what you mean by that. Well, you know, let's, let's have a candid conversation. There are some great evangelist and great revival speakers out there and they do an amazing job. Uh, most of them fly under the radar. They don't have big names. They don't have a lot of press that follow. They've just been faithful to do that. You know, my wife has had a great uncle who was well-known in the area where I live now um, for years and years of faithfulness um, as, as an evangelist and as a revival speaker and ha has a name that is impeccable um, in its character. But there's also the guys who come in that are manipulative and are looking to get their big paycheck from a church and are going to guilt people into giving extra to the church. Um, you know, the question is, is it coming with integrity? Does it match your philosophy of ministry? One of my pastors mentioned, you know, being there, the, the last the last revival that he had hosted, you know, the pastor's up there speaking. And he says, you know, if you want to make this decision for Christ today, I just want you to raise your hand. And no one raised their hand. 
but he starts going, Oh, I see, I see you in the back young lady. And sir, I see that hand. And there were no hands up. And you know, that that's the day he kind of turned anti-revival Yeah, and and who can blame him? You know, that, that is, that is (laughs) the guy's lying in the pulpit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure that these guys line up to what you believe. Well, and, you know, it's never should be about manipulation. If we don't trust God enough to move in people's lives, then why in the world are we having a meeting to begin with? Uh, and, and so we never want to manipulate people to do anything because when afterwards, if we've manipulated them, they're either going to have a really bad taste for church and they're not going to come at all or that that decision is not going to last. And so we want something that lasts. We want people to be disciples, to follow God and, and not be manipulated to do anything in church life. Yeah. So, again, make sure you know this person. But also, as you were talking earlier, Trent, we need to have a plan for preparing our people. And you mentioned prayer. I would say that is the most important part of any plan is the prayer time that goes into it. But do you have a, an organized way that you're going to encourage people to pray? Are you going to have a time of fasting? You know, a lot of people all have 40 days of fasting. One of my pastors mentioned that um, he had he, he knew some um evangelist and revival speakers and and one with a great reputation here named Don Cass, who uh, sent a preparatory book to help people prepare their hearts Mm -hmm. for ministry and for God to work in their lives. And I believe that that is the way revival really can be planned for and expected to be fruitful is when we've done the work and opened ourselves up to say, God, we anticipate you're going to work here in our lives and we're in to make ourselves an, a receiving vessel for what you want to do. And I, I believe it's not that we're manipulating or forcing God into a revival. We're just opening the door and saying, God, here we are. Uh, send me and believing that God will work in that process. So the better your preparation goes into it, the more likely it is to take place. I think that is a reasonable expectation. Right. And so, you know, we mentioned earlier, what kind of meeting are you looking for? What kind of meeting is your church needing? And so based on that answer to that question, that will determine some of your preparation, right? If it's an evangelistic outreach, then we would, our churches that I pastored, we would spend a a lot of time prayer walking the community uh, because we did we didn't want to manipulate God, but we did want to say, God, open our hearts and open the hearts of the people in our community for what you're about to do. Um, so that was that was part of the preparation. And so it depends on what you're what type of meeting you're you're having, what the needs of your community and your congregation are as and that will determine some of your preparation. Yeah. So have a plan for your people. That's that's five. We got five more, Trent. I guess we oh, wow. along here. So. Um, the, here's another one. Recognize that whether or not you use revivals or crusades, people need to hear another voice on occasion. Mm. Too many of us pastors are preaching way too much. Amen. Yeah, I mean, and that's not that, you know, the pastor isn't supposed to preach, but you're right. Um, they Our folks need to hear, and, and they can say the exact same thing that you've said in sermons again and again. 
but it's something new that catches their attention. I remember my kids, you know, our next door neighbor could say the same thing that I said to them. They're like, oh, Ed was so amazing. He told me this. I'm like, what? <laughs> I said that. <laughs> and it's the same thing's true in our churches. You know, somebody new can say those things and people, it grabs their attention. And I love that part. That is what we need to remember. And here's one other piece of advice with that um, to pastors who are listening today. Your church also needs to see that you know how to sit in a sermon and, and receive, receive the same thing that you're asking people to receive. They, you need to model that for them on occasion. So be willing to be there sometimes when you have a guest speaker. And that's, that's hard. If you're not in the habit of that, that can be really hard, but I also believe it's a very important skill for us um, to be willing to sit in our own church and um, and hear a message and receive a message from another speaker. So make sure that you're sharing your pulpit, and you don't have to do a revival to do that, but invite someone else in. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. You know, we used to, in the month of August, we would, instead of having a, like a week long or a few days long meeting, we would have every Sunday in August, we would have a different speaker come in and um, we would have a theme for the month. And that was, you know, that accomplished some of that same thing because you had different people coming in. And then I love getting fed myself, you know, being the pastor, being able to sit there and being preached to instead of doing all the preaching. So it was a blessing to me and I think our church as well. Yeah, I love that. So again, make sure they that they hear another voice on occasion. And then I love this comment, the unplanned revival that happens from the activity, the natural activity of God is powerful. You don't have to have revival services to have revival. And uh, that that is so true. One of the things, Trent, we talked about with that, too, is that many times the platform God uses for revival is a revived pastor. Mm, yeah. Isn't that so good? I love that term and the idea that the pastor is encouraged, revived, get, turns back to God. Because all of us as pastors, we have dry seasons, right? Um, and so when we God kind of stokes our fire, that overflows into our congregation. And, you know, think about some of the major um, revivals that we've seen take place on college campuses. They didn't start as bringing in a special speaker into it. It started with students just getting together and worshiping and praying and God moved. Yeah, that's a, certainly a great reminder of the Haystack Revival, as I remember called yeah. Some of those other movements that we see that have happened throughout time, they usually do happen in the natural outflow of what God is already doing. And so kind of the corollary to that is to remember that a revival gathering is no magic bullet. You know, you can't say, well, we've got so many things going wrong. We just need to have revival services. But I hear that one like, well, mm -hmm. we just have revival services. Everything will be all right. And what does it fix it probably exposes more problems than it fixes i would agree with that yeah we think that it's good if we just have these series of sermons and a special speaker that everything's going to get better when um maybe that's not the type of meeting but maybe we just need to have a 
come to Jesus, everybody spend time, you know, worshiping together and, and confronting some things, which nobody likes to do that, but we need it sometime. Yeah, I, I can just envision some pastor out there thinking, man, I'm tired of these people who are coming after me. We're just going to have revival services. I'm going to go out and find a speaker who preach at them and talk to everyone about conflict. And they're just all of a sudden going to see God and get it right. And they're sitting there in the whole pew the whole time going, I hope our pastor hears this because he really needs to hear this. <laughs> and, you know, it just doesn't work. It's not a magic bullet. Um, so don't use it that way. If you, if you believe in the power of, of a revival service, then use it for its power, not not as a answer to the problems that are going on. Now, Trent, you and I both are disciples by nature. Mm -hmm. we, we believe that our role is to disciple. And one of the things that fails to happen oftentimes after a crusade, after a revival, after a conference, all those kinds of things, a camp, we don't do the work of discipleship. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, revival services, camps, vacation Bible school, which is we're just kind of coming to the end of summertime and a lot of churches have had vacation Bible school, but there's no follow-up. There's no discipleship that takes place. So why, why have meetings that ask people to make a decision when there's no one to help them walk through and grow in that decision? Um, so I think that's part of the preparation that needs to take place, not only prayer, but putting in a plan for when God answers our prayer, how are we going to deal with this? How are we going to help people walk in the newness of life? Yeah, Trent, I, yesterday I was uh, doing a, a class and we were talking about the difference between transactional and transformational leadership. You know, when you're doing transactional leadership, that's kind of like low level leadership, transformational leadership where you're leading people into life change is is far more powerful. Well, you know, transactional leadership is the pastor says, well, if we could just get someone to walk the aisle. That's the transaction, right? That's the mm -hmm. moment someone is made just in God's eyes in the transactionary sense, right? But the Bible didn't tell us go and get decisions. The Bible told us go and make disciples. Amen. We're to go. The the transaction is just a start for for what is expected. And mm -hmm. all of us need to remember that our job is a discipleship job, not a decision job. So transformation happens when we get into the whole process of that. And then uh, you know, ten, number ten, Trent. This is our tenth one. We know and we believe that God longs for his churches to be full of life. Amen. Well, yeah. Don't you remember Jesus? I mean, he made a big deal of kind of confronting the Pharisees, calling them tombs full of dead men's bones. And Lord knows he doesn't want our churches to be the same thing, you know, just dead places. We are supposed to be full of life and people that are um, exuding the movement of the Holy Spirit and and seeing what god is doing um and so we should be you know showing some fruit there ought to be some some kind of pulse that's taking place and uh you know if we're just doing the same thing week after week then that's probably pretty dead and so maybe a revival meeting or some type of meeting stir some life into into our churches and encourages people to say hey 
we're supposed to be disciples who go make disciples. Yeah, so you could do a revival, you could do a crusade, you could do a conference, you could do a marriage retreat, a family retreat, you could do a family mission trip. There are all kinds of things you can do. Again, events aren't magic bullets, but they supplement and encourage what you need to do. And so think about what is appropriate in your setting, within your context. We're not here to tell you whether or not you should do revivals. We just want to help you if you do them. Do them right, do them well, do them with the right expectation. If you don't do them, don't forget that your people still need to hear another voice on occasion. And, and don't forget that sometimes your people do need other degrees of things in their life. And so somewhere in there is probably a good balance, something for all of us to think about today. And uh, man, that's a good conversation. I want to thank our churches, Tramp Man. They gave us some good stuff, didn't they? They sure did. I enjoy that. Thank you for putting together our note. And so today we were talking about should or shouldn't you do a revival service or what you're expecting from a revival service. And we have lots of other topics that we've recorded in the past um, that are there. You can always go back and listen to um, past episodes of the Enduring Churches podcast. But we appreciate you take any time to listen to this. And if you have suggestions, Gosh, we'd love to hear that, wouldn't we, Al? Absolutely. Bring bring those in and then also do us a favor of sharing um, this episode with someone else because I think this is a really great conversation. And we can say that because we didn't come up with it. Yeah. <laughs> we had a lot of people who helped us do that. We want to thank you for that. So tune in next week. We can't wait to have another conversation.